Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2006. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Ah, today I'm in Kona, Hawaii. What a beautiful place to be in the middle of winter with a very special guest by the name of Cameron Healy, who just came in from a little surf session. Cameron, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready to release the clutch, Mark. Well, good. Well, we'll pull a little seaweed out of your ears and uh, talk cars now. What a wonderful place to be in the middle of winter in the Hawaiian Islands. I'm very, very uh, jealous because having grown up on the ocean and surfing, ah, that sounds like a nice way to spend a winter's day. But before I give you a proper introduction, and we're going to be talking about race cars and old cars today, what's one little thing that maybe people may not know about you, Cameron, other than you like to get out on the water? Uh, well, um, yeah, good question, Mark. I, I think one thing that comes to mind that goes back a few decades, but uh, I spent my uh, 20s and 30s as a yoga teacher and living in a, uh, a yoga community. And it's kind of where I, I learned um, through those disciplines, you know, learned uh, focus and uh, um you know, how to, um, you know, kind of invest you know, as, part, as part of a community, which I built uh, a business for, uh, first one that I'd, I'd ever done, but learn some values around how you do a business around community and, and um, human respect and investing in the environment and the, commu- and the, the community you do business with, uh, and then also how you operate a productive and profitable enterprise. That's kind of where I, you know, got my uh, self-training, if, if you will, back in the 70s and uh, um, early 70s and 80s, early 80s. You know, I love this. The So many different great aspects, helping communities, uh, taking care of yourself, your inner self, your physical self, and figuring out a way to launch a lifelong career of success that you've done. But today we're going to talk about cars because that's been a big part of your life as well. So let me give you a proper introduction. Cameron Healy is a 71-year-old entrepreneur who's founded several companies over his 50-year career. He's put his time between Portland, Oregon and Kona, Hawaii, now you know why he's in Kona right now in the wintertime. And he operates a nonprofit foundation that provides scholarships, grants, and invests in people, community projects in Oregon and Hawaii, believing in the importance of having a positive impact and giving back to the communities that have supported one's success. Having been infected at the age of 15 with a deep passion for all things Porsche, Cameron is a historic racer, a car collector, a researcher, a writer, and enthusiast for motorsports history with a passionate focus on the Porsche mark. He worked closely over a period of seven years with Rod Emery of Emery Motorsports, acquiring, restoring, and researching what was ultimately proven to be Porsche's first ever entry and class winner at Le Mans back in 1951. How cool is that? We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Cameron some more, but we're going to put our feet in the sand for a second while you listen to our sponsors, and we'll be right back. (laughs) My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 
for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom-tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So Cameron, we're back now. I'll tell our listeners, I've known about Cameron for a long, long time because I race vintage cars, as you listeners know. Uh, He ran up here in the Pacific Raceway many times, the Sovereign Group and other racetracks up and down the West Coast. And I always look to Cameron as, oh, man, that's the guy I want to be. He's driving old Porsches and some very spectacular old Porsches. Let's start with this car that you did a lot of research with with Rod, because Rod's been a guest on the show a couple times here. I've known about Rod and, and his dad, of course, Gary, and the old Porsches they restore for many, many years. And last time I was at Rod's shop, your car was there, and I said, tell me about this car. Incredible history. So let's talk a little bit about this, because my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is when you first acquired this, you weren't really sure that it was the car that it was. Is that right? Yeah. Um you know, I originally crossed paths with that car, the 1993 Monterey Historics is what it was called then. It had been campaigned at the Monterey Historics from 1982 when the owner had restored it uh, right up till 2009 uh, and he passed away, uh, sadly, a few weeks later. I just stumbled on the car. It had been turned into, originally it was a coupe, a 356 aluminum Gamoon coupe um, that, you know, Porsche, when they had their invite to go to 1951 Le Mans, they prepared 
four cars, basically, with the idea of bringing two cars. And by the time uh, the green flag dropped for the start on June 23rd, 1951, uh, they only had one car because the other car had crashed out in night practice. So anyway, that's a whole a whole story. But it was a coupe, and it did well at the first Le Mans for Porsche. It was in a the Liege Rome Liege uh, endurance race. And did well with that, with a sister car. And then it was shipped to the U.S. along with two other of the aluminum cars and uh, went into the hands of a gentleman, gentleman named John von Neumann, Neumann, I guess is the proper pronunciation, who became the first California distributor for Porsche. And he raced it for the year of 1952. And he only raced it as a coupe twice and then cut the top off and made it into a roadster, made it lighter. And then the car... You know, the car went through a whole series of owners and became a used up, you know, car that was kind of no longer relevant in the late 50s. It ended up in a person's hands named Chuck Forge. Chuck was a young, uh, early HP engineer in Palo Alto in 1957 is when he bought the car. And he owned that car from 1957 to 2009. Wow. He And he kept it as a roadster. And he was a, a racer. A CCA racer, had other cars, uh, pretty, pretty much a Porsche guy. But he restored the car for the 1982 Monterey Historics because that was going to be the first year of the, being a uh, the Porsche mark was going to be featured. So it was a little red roadster. And, you know, by 1993, I stumbled on it. And every time I was there every year, I would always stop by and say hi to Chuck and chat with him. And in 2009 was coincidentally another Porsche featured year, the Monterey Historics, and I stopped by as usual and talked to Chuck for, uh, you know, a few minutes, his late 70s, and I'd never seen a 1949 Porsche before, aluminum Porsche, you know, and when I saw it in 93, and it was, I was always fascinated by it. I wanted, for the first time, I wanted to say to him, if you ever, you know, are interested in selling it, I'd be interested in talking to you. But I didn't. I'm kind of not that guy. I'm kind of reserved. And I knew he was getting, you know, getting on in years. But he tragically passed away from a heart attack three weeks later. Oh, gosh. And Chuck was a bachelor all of his life. And um, his, his all of his assets were going going to two charities. So I knew the car at some point would come up available. And with the help of two people, uh, Dirk Layer. Uh, who's based in Southern California, who I've known for years. He's been a guest here. He's from Santa Barbara. Yeah, I know, I've known Dirk for since early, very early 90s, and then Rod Emery. And so together, we kind of pursued the car, which was a bit of an enigma. Um, it was being sold through through the state attorney, who had a couple of Chuck's friends helping with it. You know, it took, um, I don't know, it was probably five, six months after his passing that one could offer a bid on an offer, you know, make an offer on the car mm. and there were other parties, but you know, that just kind of stretched out over a couple months. Yeah. But eventually I was able to uh, prevail and acquire it. And I just, by then, you know, there was some new information. Uh, it was a book that had come out called the last 11, which was talking about the last 11 of the 63 Gamund aluminum, 356 Porsches were built in Austria and how they were largely turned into to race cars over a period of time. And so it, it gave some hints about this car that it was a maybe 
but there were some other cars that were maybe being the first Le Mans car. But I just had a hunch. So uh, we began a process again with Dirk and Rod and then Gary Emery and a whole number of other people who were interested. We began a a research process that actually took about seven years uh, while uh, then Rod began the process I wanted to restore the car back to its 1951 Le Mans glory as a coupe. Uh, you'd think just putting a, you know, a top back on a car would be simple, but actually it's quite <laughs> yeah. complicated. Yeah. Rod, Rod Emery will tell that story for sure, but to do it right. But it turned into a very rich and interesting journey, made a lot of new friends. And it was a reminder of, you know, how much passion there is for Porsches and how, how much generosity Porsche files have, you know, to share their information and to do legwork of scouting photos and obscure parts and obscure information. And so, you know, it, um, it took all that time and a big collaborative effort. Uh, but just about the time we were, Rod was getting close to finishing the car, we presented to my good friend, Jeff Swart, the evidence. We had a whole document you know, giving our, our largely photographic evidence, our reasoning uh, why this, we felt that this proved that it was the first Le Mans car. And so he presented it to uh, Porsche North America initially uh, during at Amelia Island in 2015. They, they then passed it on to Porsche AG and they essentially rubber stamped it. They said, you guys, yeah, this is irrefutable. This is the car. And which then caused Porsche, they had a placeholder Gamun car in the museum made up with a livery of that original number 46 uh, 1951 Lamar car so they had to uh, change that car to a proper livery but <laughs> anyway they were, they were very gracious and um, they invited the car to come and be featured at the 2015 uh, Sport and to be on the poster uh, with the uh, 1970 Lamar winner the uh, 1979-17, along with that year's Le Mans winner, the 919 um, Porsche. And uh, so that was a great honor and very thrilling, a lot of hard work. But the car wasn't finished. That was the only problem. Ah. And it was still in bare aluminum. There was no engine or transmission. There was still a fairly significant amount of work. But actually, Dirk, Dirk had suggested this. um said, well, just talk to him about, you want to bring it into bare aluminum? And uh, it will have the whole profile. It'll give the feeling. And uh, Rod said, let's put some ghost numbers on it and just, you know, we'd be upfront that this, this is the car. It's not finished. And so it showed up at Rensport and uh, uh, one of the great, great moments that gives us all chicken skin was uh, they told us just to wait in the paddock and they'd call us for the, the, you know, it was the, it was featuring the Lamar cars of, you know, the Porsche Lamar cars, you know, in that year's run sport. And so they had literally lined up all the other uh, Porsche Lamar cars on uh, turn three, between three and four, Laguna Seca. And they'd kind of forgotten to call us. And finally, somebody came running over and said, hey, got to be there. It's time for the photo. And so with the Emery family and my wife, Susie, sitting on a pillow, the car steered, didn't have brakes. <laughs> uh, we pushed the car in the some of the crew, Rod's Rod's wife, Amy's two kids, uh, Chris Greenwood, who was Rod's right-hand guy. We pushed the car all the way out, up turn one, you know, sweating, and then down down the hill, or sorry, yeah, to turn two, 
you know, of course, no brakes. So the car is getting away from us around two, turn two. And then we make turn three pushing it. And here's, it was kind of like all of the, you know, all the cars that went out, that came after this first Lamar car were waiting in honor for this car to pull up in the very, very front in the top. In yeah. the front front spot, and uh, we tell it in our little film that we made about that. But it was a real chicken skin moment of Porsche history, <laughs> where you know this car was being honored, you know, as the original the original uh, Porsche Le Mans car. Yeah, it was spectacular. I was there, saw that whole thing. It was. Well, you were, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was spectacular. It was a it was a great event, and that was a a really really wonderful moment. Uh, you know, I- incredible story, and so nice that you're bringing that car back, or you brought that car back. Now, of course, I mentioned in your intro that you've been in love with Porsche as a Mark since you were about 15 years old. W- what started it at that age? What happened? Well, a very uh, specific situation, but I I'd actually I grew up in a small town, Bend, Oregon. It was just a little. Lumber town in those days, a little bit isolated, but there was a family that, gosh, when I was probably 11, had moved back from Germany. I think he was a teacher for the armed forces, and they brought a, a notch back, 356 back with them. And uh, they had a son who was my age, so I made a few trips, you know, squeezed in the back seat. But, you know, I was just a little kid. But when by the time I was 15, I had my first girlfriend, and she lived up on the hill above the town from where I lived. And her dad was a local surgeon, and in 1966, he purchased a brand new white Porsche 912. And so as a result of hanging, hanging out there, and I was interested in cars, he had this immense love for this car, and he infected me with, with a passion for Porsche. And uh, I became 16 and bought uh, used Volkswagen Beetle and tried to turn it into a Porsche, which was really stupid, but, you know, <laughs> empty exhaust and yeah. some Porsche emblems and other things. That's where it started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't own a Porsche for decades from there, but, it, and, and then got interested a little bit in sports car racing, uh, when I was 17, 18, just, I had another friend who, you know, took me to the, the Rose Cup races in Portland and gave me all of his, uh, hand me down, uh, monthly uh, race newspapers and stuff but anyway so it's just some early early exposure but uh, that all kind of went one dormant for a while after that well sure you get busy with life yeah my poor man's Porsche at 16 was my Carmen Ghia which uh yeah I ended yeah. I actually stripped down after I bought it and painted it with a mixture of Porsche Guards Red and Porsche Signal Orange paint. We did a 50-50 mix and painted that car in mm. a friend's garage and mm. beefed up the engine. And yeah, it had some fun. That was my start to wishing I had a Porsche until it was many years later that I actually got one. So fun times. We're taking a short break for our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk a little bit more about your vintage racing because the car we talked about is not the only car you've driven in a race. So we'll be right back. And keep the seatbelts tight. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because... Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against 
against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So we are back. So there's some other great cars that you've driven. I wanted you to touch on a little bit some really cool race cars. I believe a 908 and a 910 Porsche. Those just a couple. Do I have my numbers right? Well, almost. Uh, yeah, they're both 908s. One is a 908K, which is um, basically means it's a coupe. It was the first model in 68 of, uh, of the 908, mm-hmm. uh, which they turned that turned those that same one into long tail for, for actual Le Mans. But this was a, a 1968 spa, you know, thousand kilometers of spa endurance car that Dick Alford drove with Joaquin near posh and uh, Joaquin. And, and it was of course spa being spa in Belgium was pouring rain. And the car was crashed after Vic turned it over to, uh, to Joaquin. And that was its only race as a factory factory race car. And I acquired it. Years later, uh, after it had been restored and uh, raced it for a while, but I, I then, and I think I acquired that in 2007. In 2011, I, um, after racing uh, with uh, Brian Redman driving the Res Institute uh, Golf, Golf Colored 908.3 and watching how nimble and fast that car was, of course, being well-driven, I had the opportunity to purchase a factory, 1970 factory, uh, former factory 9083, also driven by Vic Elford um, at the Targa Florio. Cool. Yeah, I still presently campaign that car. The 908K is beautifully in beautiful condition, and it sits in my my shop and does you know, car events and, and exhibition laps on occasions. Yeah. Yeah. Those cars are just killer. I mean, they're so, they're so, so cool. I mean, yeah, must be really, really fun. You, you've had a lot of great cars, Cameron. And I wondered if there's one that really stands out for you as most special. And if so, what car is that? And maybe tell us a little story about it. <laughs> That's a tough one, Mark. No like, kidding. <laughs> which of your which of your kids do you care about, or, well, or let's, your grandkids? Yeah, we'll just uh, say but, we'll just know, say the car that is only listening today. <laughs> <laughs> of course, people ask that question when you're at the racetrack. Things, or which is your favorite car? 
to race. And I say, whatever the one I'm sitting in race, right. the time, they're, yeah. All, yeah. they're all, they're all unique. I mean, I have this crazy little 1953 Cooper Porsche powered Cooper with a homemade body that I've raced for 20, 21 years. Yep. And I love driving that car. It's a weird idiosyncratic car, super fast. And, uh, you know, it beats the, fifties uh, V8 cars often because of its nimbleness. So I've had, I've had, you know, in terms of years of fun, that would stand out. And then, you know, kind of shifting over to the off-road world, I, uh, I got introduced to that uh, through uh, Jeff Gamroth of Rutsport Racing oh, yeah. in Portland, where he, he convinced me to uh, buy into a, a car that he was preparing two cars for the 50th anniversary of the Nora Baja 1000 Ooh. race. Yeah. And um, he wanted to take team of two cars with a crew and see what we could, if we could finish with production based 911s that have been built up for off roads. I, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for these kinds of challenges. And <laughs> so I, I signed up for it and literally bought into it. And Jeff Swart agreed to be my co-driver because uh, we co we co-drive uh, my 911 RSR in uh, other, other on track racing sometimes. But huh? anyway, he'd done the uh, 1004 times at one time with uh, Paul Newman kind of mentoring Paul in off-road racing. So I figured, you know, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think and, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, not to mention his Pikes Peak records on gravel and pavement. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great experience. We got stuck a lot in the silt. We were a little bit low, and our angle of attack was a little bit abrupt. And uh, I think we got came back with a third-place trophy in class and learned a lot. And then, uh, it, it's a, you know, the car is a 1989 964 based Porsche, originally a C4 all wheel drive, but Jeff and team took converted back to two wheel drive. And uh, so for 2018, the next year, he made some real modifications in both both cars that really did the trick. Uh, bigger tires and wheels uh, raised up a little more different. We kind of obliterated the shocks first year, but much better shocks and support arms and changed the angle of attack on the front. And my conscripted my nephew. He was in his 30s uh, to be my navigator. He was never done anything like that, but he's an engineer and very focused guy, and I knew he could figure it out. And you need to work the digital devices as well, which I'm both Jeff and I were pretty hopeless at the year before. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, we um, we just had a, uh, a kind of a blessed thousand-mile run. Uh, we had no no crashes, no major breakdowns aside from breaking a shock but we were able to keep going until until the finish of the stage and we got around all sorts of hazards and broken crash cars the car just worked flawlessly we we were just we had a lot of luck and so we won our won the class that year and uh, that was the first time a production-based porsche had ever uh won a class at that point the 52 wow. to 51 years 51 years of of Baja, you know, racing in Baja. Incredible. And uh, we, we did a little film about it along the way. And uh, uh, the sister car didn't fare as well. It had, had a number, number of issues, including a couple crashes. It finished, it did finish uh, due to a great crew. But yeah, that's, that's a neat car. And I really, because growing up in Central Oregon, I did a lot of off-road messing around with my dad's 65 Toyota Land Cruiser. And um, 
it's funny how that muscle memory comes back of how you both read the terrain and react to it. It's just it's so different from track racing where you predict the corners. You can't predict anything. No, in not involved. Off road racing. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, anyway, that was a great year. We came back the following year, 2019, and did the 500 mile in the fall and did fine. We had one, you know, I had a little argument with a big, big rock and oh, out my entire left front suspension, uh, which, you know, we got replaced in an hour and a half, but it kind of put us out of contention. But um, I don't know, I've, I've got a lot of affection for that car and it's been in the uh, Peterson Museum all year. It's in the, it's, it's in the, in the, for, the Forza, the current latest Microsoft Forza Horizon game nice. as one of the choices. And so it's in the Forza exhibit uh, at Peterson right now. It's going to depart April 1, go back to Raw Sport Racing, and Jeff's going to prepare the car to go to South America in October for a 39-day, 15,000-kilometer um, expedition through the Andes Mountains. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 90%, 90% of it is off pavement. Wow. With a, a, a group of about seven, six, nine, eleven prepared for off-road and one Cayenne that's been uh, modified and beefed up with Cayenne support vehicles. So my, my daughter, youngest daughter, is going to be my co-driver. She's been doing some rally Rally Navigating, she's been playing Rally Navigator role for me uh, these last two seasons, and we've done a couple rallies in Europe uh, with a different 9-11, but uh, it's been fun engaging family members uh, in more rally style uh, type, type racing, uh, and I'm kind of on that on that path right now. Wow, what fun. Huh, you are having a blast. Hey, I'm going to be your car psychologist today, Cameron. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit. This this question is a, a kind of a fun one, but you got to play by my rules. And that is, if you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? This isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror. And more importantly, why? Okay. Well, you know, out of all the uh, pre-questions that you shared, this was the toughest one to sort of Good. come around to. Uh, Good. You know, you've definitely challenged me there. And so I'll answer it in two two ways. If Had you asked ask me this question, 20 years ago, you know, I might have, uh, you know, being a younger, younger guy, more kind of still pursuing and achieving life in different ways, establishing myself, I probably would have set a uh, Porsche 911, you know, nine, or a nine, 935 twin turbo uh, Porsche, which is kind of the ultimate 911 race car of its era. Yeah. Uh, but uh, being 71 years old and <laughs> You know, uh, you know, I'm not slowing down a whole lot, maybe a little bit, but it really relates and it's it's timely because, you know, I've always been a bit of a purist as a Porsche enthusiast where, you know, the Cayenne SUV thing, you know, I was definitely a naysayer on that that one. But, you know, I've kind of come around to it. And so I uh, um, I've per- I purchased this summer a uh, 2013 Cayenne diesel uh, with the hydraulic suspension, which that combination is hard to find. It's, uh, it's the first generation of diesel. It's the second generation Cayenne, but the first generation of U.S. Uh-huh. diesel. And, uh, I, you know, I can't leave cars alone. I can't just, I don't buy new, you know, new street cars. I haven't bought a new street car in decades, but I like buying interesting new street, new street cars and then modifying them. And so this car, this car has been shipped to Estonia 
um, uh, yeah, uh, Calmer Automotive in, uh, based in Estonia, and they specialize in modifying 911s and Cayennes for off-road adventures, which they're going to be also leading, leading this adventure in South America. And so uh, it's in the process right now of being torn apart and turned into a more rugged, uh, you know, adaptable off-road vehicle while, you know, minimally sacrificing its uh, streetability. And uh, that'll become my new streetcar uh, for the mainland based in Oregon. And, um, you know, that'll, that'll carry me through, I'm sure, the rest of my, my life as a streetcar. But I, yeah. you know, I've become, I've become fond of, of the off-road uh, bit and do a bit of overlanding in the spare time. And so this, this car is, um, you know, it kind of represents me at age 71. Um, I'm willing to have something that's just a little more, a little more comfortable, a little more utilitarian, but still uh, will have some performance. It's being retuned in an extra 50, 50 horsepower is being added um, while actually increasing the fuel mileage. It'll get about 35 to 37 miles to a gallon. And again, aligning with my values, and putting extra fuel capacity in it, it'll be able to have a distance of 1,800 miles before having to wow. fill it up. Holy and cow. I will be running uh, what's called renewable diesel, huh? which is sort of the next generation of biodiesel. I'm a diesel guy enthusiast, and renewable diesel is, you know, 80% improvement in terms of greenhouse gases and carbon by 80% from uh, standard petroleum diesel, yet it's a very stable stable fuel, uh, more stable than even petroleum diesel. So it's a type of biodiesel that's really just coming into the market. And uh, that's very much, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, very much of an environmentalist, even though I'm, a, you know, I, I'm conflicted by uh, driving high octane uh, race cars on occasions. But uh, anyway, so that car aligns with both my adventurous uh, nature and also my desire to, uh, you know, limit my impact on the environment. Makes sense. I love it. Hey, let's talk a little bit about a collaboration you've done with uh, a three-time guest here on Cars. Yeah, Dwight T. Knowlton of Carpe Viem, uh, a new book that you guys did together. And I've got my copy here, which is cool, called Destined for Victory. Uh, kind of tells the story of the Porsche family and their first racing adventures and that little car of yours you talked about at the beginning. How did you and Dwight get together? Well, uh, yeah, good. That's a good story. I'm, uh, I've been working with some of the same people that did the research on the, this SL car a number of years ago, you know, Rod and Marie Chris Greenwood and a guy named Bill Wagenblatt as the editor. And Pete Stout and team have helped us sort of in the early era, uh, you know, year and a half, two years ago when we were starting to do this narrative book, which is a different book from the Dwight Knowlton. But I, along the, about a year ago, um, talking to Pete Stout about, uh, I wanted to also do a, a narrative book that would be an approachable early Porsche history and tell the story of Porsche's first Le Mans entry. He pulled out a book that his daughter Ellie has in her library, the little red race car that Dwight published. <laughs> yep, I've got that ago. too. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, this guy, this guy does a great job. And so I cold called uh, uh, Dwight uh, exactly a year ago in January. And I said, hey, Dwight, uh, I just told him who I was and my, my interest and how about we partner on a book and I'll, I'll help with the narrative and um, we'll work together. And he, he jumped right on it. He was ready to do his fourth book and um, he already had 
T-shirts he was selling. He's already done designs of this, you know, number 46 Lamar car and had a great passion for it. And so uh, we just, we had a blast working together over this past year. The guy is so incredibly creative. He's got such um, historical integrity. I mean, he, we, we dug under every rock and branch uh, around the world and all kinds of archives to expose, you know, the history of on this car and Porsche's early racing history. But he, he found stuff that I didn't think existed even in his, his research this last year, but he's amazing in uh, his ability to manifest image and storyline. And so we just, uh, that book was just uh, printed in November and came available at the beginning of December through uh, Carpe Diem. And, you know, it's thirty one ninety five. It's very affordable. It's for kids, but also adults. Tells a great, great story that I think is kind of inspirational for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, Dwight's been on the show. I'll put links to all of his books. You know, I bought all his books and uh, years ago when his first ones came out in hopes that I'd be a, a grandpa one day and could share those. And now I am. So uh, it's very fun to have my grandson Gunner here and share Dwight's new book and all his past books as well. He's collaborated with some amazing people. So uh, that's very cool. And I want to thank uh, Dwight because he's the one that got Cameron on this show. I know, Cameron, you're a little bit of a private guy, and he said, no, I don't know if you'll want to do something like this, but uh, I appreciate you being on the show and him helping nudge you to be a guest here on Cars, yeah. Now, Cameron, this next question is almost silly, because you've gone on so many ultimate drives in your life, but I want you to really think outside of the box here. If I could provide you with any car in the world, money's no object here, and you could take it and drive it anywhere with anybody, living or deceased, what would that ultimate drive look like for you? Well, that was another tough question I had to think about. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, You've already done a yeah. bunch of ultimate drives. <laughs> yeah, uh, but of course, this would not be on a racetrack because you'd have a passenger. Yeah. So that narrowed it down. But um, we, you know, where I landed is uh, I have a great affection for Vic Elford, you know, uh, former Porsche Endurance driver, former rally champion. We got to know each other through the 2908s that I own and um, have spent, you know, time together, had meals together. And Vic is a big, you know, he was, he was the one that took a short wheelbase Porsche 911 and proved that they could be an effective rally car, even when Porsche factory wouldn't even give them a car because they didn't think they were suitable rally cars. He has a great affection for those early 911s. So I would like to uh, spend a day in the French Alps in a 1964 Porsche 911, which is, you know, the 911 in its most pure, basic, simple form. I happen to own one and love driving it. But I would love to um, drive through the French Alps with Vic. Uh, be really happy to be a passenger uh, and take some tips and just listen to his stories. Yeah. And then maybe stop for lunch at a, you know, a little, you know, little mountain, uh, um, you know, bistro and. Uh, share a glass of wine and because he loved good food, loves good food and wine yep. and listen to more of the stories. And that 
that would be uh, it'd be kind of heaven for me. Yeah, you think? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so I'm so fortunate to have had Vic as a guest on the show. I mean, Jeff Zwart, Rod Emery. I mean, all these guys mm-hmm. that you've mentioned have been guests here on Cars. Yeah, and it's so fun for me because many of these guys are childhood uh, memories for me of just famous people. Especially you think about Vic, what he raced every 917. I mean, 908s, mm-hmm. 911s. I mean, it's just incredible. So that sounds like a delightful ultimate drive uh, in my vision. <laughs> You've taken us on a really great ride today, Cameron. I can't thank you enough for taking time away from the beach today to, to come in and talk with me about Porsches and your life around Porsches. What a wonderful life you've had and are having. Uh, before I let you go, could you share maybe an inspirational quote, words of wisdom, or some kind of mantra that has a great meaning for you? Yeah, I'd be happy happy to do that. You mind if I just give you a couple, two of them? To That's absolutely with? fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, the first really is goes back to, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and getting into vintage racing and meeting more of entrepreneurs. I found that a lot of vintage racers in my early days were entrepreneurs. And so we, there was a real sh- sharing of, you know, adventure and drive. And um, my first race car, I put a quote on the back by Soren, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, existentialist philosopher that, that says, to dare is to lose one footing momentarily. Not to dare is to lose oneself. Yeah, I love that one. So it's a little little quote about, you know, willingness to take risk and yep. enjoy the rewards of that. But really on a bigger kind of broader scale, this is Marcus Aurelius, one of the, um, uh, you know, philosophers from ancient Rome. He was a Roman ruler. He was a of the stoicism philosophy. Oh, I, love, was, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is really just a good, good quote about life. It says, pass through this brief patch of time in harmony with nature and come to your final resting place gracefully, just as a ripened olive might drop, praising the earth that nourished it and grateful to the tree that gave it growth. Mm. Yeah. I love his quotes. Many of his writings, Stoicism is a great one. I've written a couple blogs uh, here at Cars. Yeah, about that. And of course, Kierkegaard mm. and to dare uh, is to lose one's footings. Uh, yeah, it's both great quotes. Great ways to go into this new year, listeners. Cameron, hey, thanks for again for taking time to share your inspiration and your passion for cars. My listeners know I'm a Porsche fanatic, so to get to talk to you about old Porsches is what a nice way to spend an afternoon. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for the opportunity, Mark. This was a pleasure. You're welcome. So much fun. Being a professional automotive technician today requires an understanding of technology, computers, and electrical systems that are highly advanced and very complex. Cars Yeah! is pleased to support TechForce Foundation. It's one of our charities of choice and its efforts to help young people pursue the technical education and careers as automotive techs. Through scholarships, grants, and good old-fashioned hands-on experience with cars, trucks, boats, and more, TechForce and Carsia are working to connect young people with viable careers in the automotive sector. Join us by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Carsia. Drive on over to carsia.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!